You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Topco. Business Unusual. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Business Unusual podcast. Today, I am joined by a multiple business award winner, Theo Beloy. He has won the Top Empowerment Young Achiever Award with uh, the Top Empowerment Awards. He's been named the Top 100 Most Influential Young South Africans, and he is the CEO of Batu. Welcome, Theo, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invite. So Theo, I think I'm going to start with the first question, and, and that is, uh, in the last year, I think, I, I think I've, I've written down that you've won about five accolades, is that correct? Yeah, slightly more than that, but yeah, um, you, you are very much right um, in the sense that we have won a few uh, accolades over the years. So I mean, how, you know, everybody else has been having problems with uh, a tough time during, during COVID, economic issues, the retail sector, which you're in, has been having a really tough time. And somehow you have increased business um, and achieved a lot more than anybody else. What do you put that down to? Um, I think, you know, in the nature of my business from the beginning, I've, very, I've been very, very clear as to what is it that I want to build with my business, you know, so we are a strictly, you know, um, proudly African sneaker brand. So I sort of identified a niche in sneakers, you know, to say there's a lot of consumption that happens, you know, around sneakers in the continent, yet we don't have a proudly African sneaker brand, a brand that, you know, um, Africans can partly affiliate with. I think number one, that's one thing that we got right, you know, to tell a proudly African story because, you know, our brand, you know, in townships, the word Batu means uh, shoes. So a lot of people have been buying sneakers, you know, over the number of years, but, you know, no one has been buying, you know, a shoe or sneakers that they feel that it's close to their heart. It tells their story, you know. So I think in terms of putting the business together, you know, it, it really helped me um, re-strengthen my, uh, my value chain, you know, um, and put a value chain that is... Um, that can really, really cater for, for the demand, you know? So we did about 18 months of research and development, proof of concept when we started, before we penetrated the retail industry. And even the first two years of our business, you know, we didn't go uh, fully on retail in opening stores. We did, you know, I started selling from the foot of my car. Um, I started doing online sales for the first two years. And that meant, what meant is that it meant that I can really, you know, put up a, a working capital together to reinvest in the business, you know, other facets of the business. And that has allowed me to uh, put together a very solid foundation in my business so that by the time I start penetrating stores, you know, um, and I start opening up stores uh, and going fully into retail, I've got enough working capital to support my infrastructure. And I think that's one thing that really helped us grow and sustain the business. And I mean, so you, you're 30 now, you started this in 2015, so it's your five-year anniversary. Um, you've, got a, you've got a history in, in the corporate world as an accountant before that. 
Um, what do you consider yourself first? An entrepreneur, an, an accountant, a salesman, a, a brand ambassador? Um, what is what is at the forefront of, of Theo, the businessman? I think for me, you know, um, look, education is very much important. And I really, really love my profession, you know. And I think our profession as accountants, we all know that, you know, we are South African accountant or Saika, you know, the top um a professional body, top three professional uh, accounting body in the world, right? And that has helped me to put, uh, to be the kind of person that I am in terms of corporate, in terms of uh, corporate governance and putting a value chain together and understanding different types of business models. However, I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart because when I was doing my second year become accounting sciences in, um, in uh, when I was living in LX, I used to sell perfumes door to door in LX. And I think that's where the entrepreneurial bug bit me. And from the core of my heart, it's always been about that because you know how it came about was you know we were just me and my best mate at the time Andrew we wanted to do something with our lives and we used to go door to door selling perfumes and what that taught us is that it taught us the art of selling you know uh, marketing because our our perfumes at the time were you know all based you know uh, non-branded and then we had to go and market and sell this you know we learned a lot about credit sales about cash sales about you know how to manage your cash flow you know how to reinvest in the business how to position your brand you know um so i think that's why even in my tenant pwc that i spent five years in pwc two years in south africa and three years in the middle east after five years i had to go back to what i say it's a calling you know which is entrepreneurship you know which is helping other people you know our current vision says that we want to build a shoe brand that africans can partly affiliate with reignite hope and create sustainable jobs so to answer that question i think i'm an entrepreneur hard and i started very early in my in my life mm. So, so I know when you you did a post on LinkedIn, and I think I, I looked at it this afternoon, and you know announcing your accolades, and you had over twenty three thousand um, likes and thousands of comments from people congratulating yeah. you, all you know all over the world. But but what they many people don't see, and what I think we want to teach other people, uh, especially future leaders, is, is what are the failures that really got you to that success? What are those core moments for you that really taught you how to succeed? Or was it sort of smooth sailing? Because I remember our CEO gave you a call and, and you said to him, it, it, wasn't always, it wasn't always easy as what everybody thinks. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I think there's a, there's a lot, but I think the, the, the ones that come at the top was, you know, from, um, I was actually having a chat with a, with a friend of mine because, you know, our vision is so, uh, how do I put it, it's so vast and so big that, you know, uh, you need to be crazy to, to do it the way we're doing it because our business model, you know, we want to own the end-to-end -end value chain from the means of production to how we warehouse our shoes to how we transport our shoes with our own trucks to our own retail stores and sell directly to our clients and we can capture the data. And having started that from a small room in Alexandra and having that vision to really build it with nothing but our own resources, you know, it has taken a lot, but it hasn't been an easy journey. So I think the biggest challenge, you know, like I said earlier on, our vision is to build a shoe brand that Africans can partner affiliate with. Generally in South Africa, in Africa, you know, consumers tend to believe that, you know, African products are not as good as international products or international brands, especially in foodware. So the biggest challenge for me was convincing, you know, our clients or the consumer behavior in South Africa that, you know, yes, this is, an, this is a local, locally produced shoe and it's as good 
as you know the international foodware brands you know so changing and moving that narrative was the biggest challenge for me number two also i think you know having been a content worked for prize or house coupons for about five years you know taking all my savings you know um and and putting and investing in the business you know and then all we, we all know that retail and foodware manufacturing is very capital intensive you know, so yeah. I was I was very fortunate because I had an accounting background, so I could manage my cash flow. But it got to a point whereby you know it was really really difficult because you know eighteen months of research and development and quality testing and quality control without any proceeds or income. You know, um, and that was the challenge to 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 really you know monitor my cash flow and really make sure that I use these savings you know wisely and efficiently over the years. And I think you know um, also the biggest one was you know most of the time when it comes to when it comes to retail in terms of footprint, we hardly see um, African brands taking space or owning up space in retail and boldly standing um, uh, in the footprint and say, this is who we are. We are African and this is our story. And we're going to fill up the space, you know, uh, either in brick and mortar stores or in e-commerce. We always get to downplay and wait for your Amazons, you know, your, your take a lot to come through and say, this is how you do it. You know, and in terms of African ecosystem, in terms of the way we build our village chain, no one really ever takes space and say, when it comes to iChain infrastructure or when it comes to e-commerce infrastructure, this is who I am, you know? And I think that's what I'm trying to do with with my retail brand and my true brand to say, I'm going to take up space. I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to scale this business. I'm not going to wait for a foodware brand to come do it in an African ecosystem so that we can believe. I want to start from Africa and build it solidly so that Africans can believe that we can do it. I love one of your comments on, I think it was Twitter, where you said, I don't copy and paste, which, which I really, and, and it sounds to me just from what you're saying, that you, you really are putting as, as much as, as the route might be harder to get through, the reward yeah. is going to be higher because you're putting your own footprint on it and you're not copying the, the easy route that everybody else has put out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that ties to our vision, you know. Um, so in one of, um, when I did the research and development for about 18 months, one of the findings and one of the shock, shocking findings that I've, that I've gotten from that research was that we've got about seven continents in, in the world, right? And you look at South America, they've got two big international foodware brands, Ipanama and Havanians. And obviously in the States, they've got, you know, uh, Nike started by Phil Knight and uh, Converse started by Chuck Taylor and many, many, you know, European shoe brands and Italian shoe brands that we as Africans consume. Um, and, and then nothing from Africa that can be benchmarked with those international food or brands. Um, benchmarked in terms of revenue, in terms of product quality. You can take it, you can even take it further to CSI. You know, I couldn't find one shoe brand that comes from Africa, you know, that can be benchmarked with those brands. And, um, you know, yet we consume so much of sneakers in, in, in this continent, you know. So it's like, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it the way they have done it. I want to do it in a way that is so meaningful to our people. You know, hence, I don't like replicating. I want to be as authentic as possible, authentic in the way I do my business, authentic in terms of the way I give back to my community, authentic in terms of the way I communicate my brand promise and so forth. So I really, really want to be, you know, authentic in that sense. So, that, I mean, that, I've read that that is one of your kind of, you, the authenticity in terms of what you're doing is one of your your sort of tips or leadership value tips, but the other one was was patience. And when I think of putting all that money in that you've had, studying, then 18 months of research and development, 
I'm not that, I don't have those kind of patience to see some kind of reward. I mean, tell us about yeah. that journey. That was, must have been emotionally and professionally. There must have been some, I'd love to hear some of your insights that you learned from that, that journey of learning patience. Yeah, you know, generally I myself, I'm not a patient person, but I think because, um, you know, uh, this vision was so rooted to my core, you know, I had to um, uh, literally be steadfast on the vision, you know, and understand the, st- the test of time. So, um, you know, I'm an accountant by profession. I was very fortunate to have, you know, um, gotten a buggery, you know, worked for a great firm, uh, worked overseas even. But my reality was that oftentimes when I came back home in South Africa and I would go back to Alexandra, you know, Alexandra Township, I would realize that our brothers and sisters are suffering. They don't have employment, you know. And oftentimes when I had a chat with them, you know, you realize that it's not because of their lazy or anything, but, you know, a lot of them didn't get the opportunities that we've gotten over the years, you know, um, gotten in terms of education and working for great fame and, and so forth. So I wanted to start a business that can reignite hope in our communities that can create sustainable jobs so oftentimes when i felt like giving up during the tenor of the 18 months and recession and so forth i always thought about you know the end the end result and how i want to you know reignite hope and create sustainable jobs and to date we employ about 93 people in our business and then i mean yeah that's so i'm I'm gonna jump around a little because you've got 93 now when you won the first um empowerment award with us um a couple of months ago i read in your motivation that you were i think only uh 34 employees at the time so that's that's quite a phenomenal growth in yeah in lockdown yeah, thank you. I, I think just to put clarity there, but I think the motivation was written early in the year when yeah. we applied. I stand to be yes. corrected. I think even maybe late last year or early this year. So yes. yeah, I think that was not updated. By the time I won the, the award, I think we were already at uh, arguably 50 plus, like just between the 50s. Yeah. I was saying incredible, incredible. So, and, then, and yeah. what, you know, I've, I've, I've read a little bit of the fam, you know, your family, your uncle supported you and you stayed with him um, in your time when you were getting things going and you were studying, but your father seemed to play quite a significant role in your life. Um, and, and in terms of your, your childhood and what gave you the values that you've got, where, yeah. where, you know, is that, is that coming from your father or your mother or? Um, I think I think from my, my father, my father is late now, but I think it, a lot of it comes from from him because you know he was a male nurse in uh, in in, uh, in in Jubal Hospital. So Jubal Hospital is a hospital in Hamaskra, um, and then he he worked there for about fifteen years, and then he quit his job, you know, to go into real estate. You know, he was a real estate agent, you know, selling properties, and he made the jump. And one of the you know popular quotes that he left me with, or that he always told me about was that fortune favors the brave, you know? And then I think I've carried that for the longest of time in my life. And I've seen him go through, you know, different types of entrepreneurial projects and how passionate he, he was with that, you know? And also the influence to study accounting because where I come from, you know, in, in, in Parque village, is a village where, you 
you know, um, the, the common careers that we knew of was uh, being a policeman, you know, a nurse, or if you're lucky, you know, to be a doctor, you know. So um, in where I grew up, I never knew of anyone who did accounting or who was an accountant. And because I used to do so well in accounting, my dad would take uh, my, my results, you know, and meet whenever he's doing his property deals through attorneys or conveyancing, he will show them my results. And then, you know, his attorney friends will go like, yo, your son is so good with accounting. And, you know, there's so much for, you know, there's so much room for black accountants in this country. So if he really pursues it, he can do something, he can do well for himself. So indirectly, he would come back home and tell me, you know, the possibilities around accounting and so forth. Even though, you know, my, my high school teacher used to sort of criticize me a lot and say accounting is very difficult. You know, the accounting that they teach at high school is not the same as the one in varsity and so forth. You know, but my father ensured that, you know, I make, I make, um, I make a career out of accounting because I was so good with it, you know? And yeah, you, you're right in a sense that, you know, uh, my father played a role in, 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 in making sure that I make the right moves in, in my life and, and maximize opportunities that are given to me. So, so he, he helped you have some sort of belief in, and, and um, security in the fact that this is, this is where you were gonna go. You've, yes. gone through that, you've gone through that journey and then tell me about, I mean, you, you've had moments, I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you thought maybe this can't be done. And when did you start really believing that this was going to take off? What was that moment? <laughs> That's a difficult question. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, for me, it's when... I started seeing, you know, the little difference that we make in our communities. I mean, the way I recruited, you know, people from Alexandra, you know, my business was very um, informal or informal at the time, you know, obviously because my business was very small. So it was more on a basis that I used to sell shoes from the, from the boot of my car, you know, all myself, you know, pack the boxes, put them in my boot of my car and go do deliveries, you know, make deliveries around the, around the province and how things come back to our social media, come back to our cash flow, come back to our PL, come back and still do, you know, um, a little bit of PR radio interviews and so forth, you know, and put some strategy together as well. So the minute, obviously, the workload started increasing because we started getting some appetite. So meaning that I can no longer pack 50 boxes of shoes a day, you know, I need some help. So I would, mm-hmm. I would you know, um, informally go and get a, a, a friend to come and help me, you know, without even a proper contract or without even a proper recruitment process, you know, and I would say, come help me pack these boxes. End of the day, I will give you something, you know, I will thank you and I will pay you, you know, and then, and then they kept on going and going, you know, and all the time they had something to do every day. And before I knew it, this guy's lives were changing. You know, all of a sudden they can buy bread for themselves. All of a sudden they can, you know, buy electricity, electricity at home. All of a sudden they can start, you know, uh, paying for the household expenses, you know. And for me, I could see that little difference. And I could only, I, I couldn't stop asking myself, if we put more effort and more work, how many more people can get into this thing, formally or informally, that directly or indirectly we can help, you know, we can have an impact in their lives. And for me, that moment, and as much as, as, as small as it was, you know, there's just three people, four more people, you know, um, for me, I knew that we've got a great potential to make a big difference. And you have made a, a big difference. I mean, uh, from from what I've seen and what we've seen. So, so when you get because a lot of a lot of people ask us this question, and I'm, I'm going to ask it to you. Then they ask, how how do you win an award? You know, we're uh, an events company that puts together six or seven big awards a year. 
Um, and I often say to people, well, you, you know, you've got to enter an award to win an award. But, but before that point, there comes a point of, of confidence that I, mm. I, so, so what was that moment you felt confident enough to win or enter an award or was it somebody else that pushed you? Yeah, it's quite a, a funny uh, situation because for me, for the longest of time, even from day one, I never really considered a lot of awards, you know, uh, until I think it was in, now we're trying to, I think it was 2018 or if not beginning of 2019, when, you know, uh, we were growing and our content sent me a link for one of the awards. I think it was the Business Premier Awards or something. Mm. And it was like, hey, buddy, I think you should give it a shot. You know, um, and even in my application, because I've always been authentic and very true in my in my in my approach, you know, true to myself in my approach. So it was just for me, it was just a link that I wanted to enter. And I told my story and then I won that award. And um, from then I never looked back. And I, I started realizing the benefits of not even winning, but just of, you know, uh, uh, applying and the caliber of people that you meet in these events and the conversations at these events, you know, the, the power of network at these events, you know, um, those kind of things. And I started enjoying that, that I can leverage off from, you know, attending this event and being a part of this event, I can build a, an incredible network in this event. So, um, and then, and, and I started entering awards, but winning, I think, you know, for me, I've always been authentic, you know, in, in, in my applications, I've always been real. I've entered awards when they had to do, you know, a site visit and inspect that whatever that I've put in my application is true, you know. So I always try to be as honest and as authentic as I can in my application. I don't know if, I don't know if that's, that's why I win, but, but I try to have a clear heart and believe that I'm worthy of, of the accolade, you know. So I win, I win by the time I enter. I, I don't enter anything else that I don't think I would win. You know, everything else that I enter, I think and I believe in my heart that I, I've already won it. So um, I've got that mindset. And yeah, I just try to do it authentically, but I look forward more to the event and engaging with uh, the attendees, with other yeah. nominees and getting the network more than being on stage and giving a speech. You know, uh, for me, what matters is being considered and getting the invite to even attend because for me, I've really leveraged a lot from that, from, from that alone. Winning is just, mean- a, just a chair on top, yeah. And and have you had any sort of big surprises since since winning accolades? What have the sort of major highlights or, or knock on effects been? Yeah, so there's a lot of highlights that came from this. You know, uh, I mean, recently we collaborated with ABN Bev on a Castle Light collaboration. You know, and for um, a big business like that to come through to us and um, and give us a shot and say, hey, I think you know with this brand alignment here, let's work together. You know, it's 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 those kind of benefits that come from it. And because oftentimes, even when you go to briefs, you know, for um, uh, for collaboration or for working together or for some synergy or for another opportunity, they always mention, oh, I saw you at the uh, Top Empowerment Award or I saw you at the National Business Awards. I saw you at the Vision 2030 Awards, you know, and so forth. You know, so people, you know, notice you, you know, it might be, you know, you are just a nominee and you didn't win the award, but in those rooms, 
you know, there's a lot of benefits that, you know, um, that comes afterwards, you know, uh, through networking. So I have seen a lot, a lot of uh, benefits. And even, even if it, sometimes it speaks, I always say this, that your profile speaks before you, you know, your profile speaks for you. So even if uh, when I go for a meeting, people already know, they like, oh, we saw you won the top, you know, young achiever at the top, at the top empowerment award and so forth. So already it speaks, my credentials are already out from this kind of accolades. So I think those are the top, um, you know, benefits that I've got, I, I've gotten over the years for, for winning awards that, you know, my profile, uh, you know, it's, it's already out there and my credentials are already out there, which also helps a lot to navigate and to work with people and, you know, to build because people already, you know, uh, believe or have seen your credentials and they sort of have a trust in you. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's, that speaks to our mission. So our, our mission is to create a trusted network of, yeah. um, of business people and entrepreneurs to do business with. So, Thank, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the good feedback. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I, I mean, yeah, it's true. Your profile speaks for you, and um, that is important. And I saw the castle, the castle lights collaborations, brilliance. Um, Thank you. Very creative, beautiful looking. For anybody who who doesn't know about it yet, order some Batu shoes, and you might get a castle light surprise. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean. The other thing is what people, and, and we, we're speaking to some of the failures, and that's because um, I think there's some, there's some myths about success, right? Um, and from your perspective, I mean, what, what frustrates you about people's opinion of your success? Do you get any kind of feedback that frustrates you about, you know, are there myths that people believe in are so true? about your success or do you think you've carried it quite authentically that people know uh, um, how hard you have worked? Yeah, they, they are, but I wouldn't really say it frustrates me, but it's just like, you know, um, connotations, you know? Uh, so I'm a firm believer in giving out, because I'm, I'm a result of opportunity. Uh, people have given me opportunities, you know, to, to build my career, to go study, you know, and, and to even start my business as well. You know, um, but the connotations always comes around, you know, um, in a sense that you, you've sort of been, you, you've gotten it lucky, you know, you, you were the lucky one, you know, and people feel like, you know, because, and especially for us, because we are a very socially current business, you know, um, on, on Instagram and so forth. So people don't see what we build at the back office and then our infrastructure and our village chain and what goes into, into, into building that. All they see is just a beautiful shoe. Uh, that is out there, that is on socials and so forth. So they generally think that it's just easy, you know, and uh, there's other people just that, that help you. But it's not true, you know. And then I think also the challenges of of um, uh, sort of coming up with success where business growing is that, you know, you, you start having a lot of people issues in the business, you know, mm. uh, mainly because of perception, because they think, you know, uh, now you're making it and they, they've got their own connotations. So being that leader that is, that remains authentic, you know, to the core. And sometimes even, even when you are as authentic as you can, but people can even question it, even though they see that you are very, very authentic, you know? So it's, it's just a lot of things, a lot of challenges that's come the way, but I think leading people, you know, it's, it's different to lead people when you're still starting up as to opposed to when you're growing, you know? When you grow people, some people join your business with, um, you know, their own intentions or whatever the case might be. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really, there's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of connotation that comes with success that you need to sort of be careful around. But I try to be as authentic as possible. 
And in terms of um, in your your sort of daily schedule, I mean, we were, we've been talking about what, you know, and we often have these chats with a lot of the people that we talk with, what makes us successful? Is it our routine? Is it exercise? Mm. Is it health? Is it education? What is that um, uh, magic um, formula for you that gets you or makes you as successful as you are or strive to be more successful? I think generally, you know, for me, it's two things. Like you said, I think it's routine and routine comes from um, uh, the leader. So I always believe in being of service because service, you know, brings uh, excellence. So uh, I try to build a value chain that is inclusive. Um, and, and, and that has diversity. So inclusive of my community, inclusive of our clients, inclusive of our people, you know, and try to be of service to the community. And I think that's one thing that brings success. And then you do it over and over again, you know, reinvesting, having a robust investment, reinvestment strategy, and making sure that you invest, you know, in the right evidence of your business. You know, with our CAPEX and OPEX project, making sure that everything goes to the right avenue of the business. And you don't only do it once and stop. You know, you don't buy, you know, you don't open just one store and stop. There's still a branding exercise that goes to it. So everything else that made you a tick from the beginning, right? You do it repeatedly, you know, um, over and over the years in a different scale. You know what I mean? So the small principles that I've applied when I started, I keep on doing that over and over time, but just that now it's on a different scale. And then I try to impart that into my team as well, my people that I work for, you know, um, like the 18 months, you know, process uh, when I did the proof of concept and restarting the business and so forth, you know, I did it repeatedly. So I didn't, that was 18 months nonstop. It was 18 months consecutively. I didn't do two months of research and stopped and then took a break for a month and then went on and do it. I did it 18 months non-stop. So everything I started doing in the business, either being in a brand exercise, our strategy, our reinvestment, you know, our strategy and so forth. We do it repetitively, um, uh, consistently, basically, you know, over and over, um, over, over time. And then in different scale now, it comes in different scales and in different, you know, avenues. So I think that what's, that's what has created our success as a business. And do you have like a morning routine that, that, I mean, if you talk about routines, what is that morning, like, is it a morning routine or is it a get to work routine? What is that? What is that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm part of the 5am club. Ah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm part of the 5am club. So I, I wake up early in the morning, uh, meditation and some, some reading and um, I, I try to run every morning. You know, uh, I haven't run in the last couple of days, but I try to do that, you know, to run in the morning. So basically being tuned, you know, uh, with my core before I go meet the world. So before mm-hmm. I even get to the office, I'm already connected to my core and my purpose and my intention and my vision. You know, and by the time I sit down on my desk, I already know, you know, uh, that the, the first time when I take that first sip of coffee, I already know how I already envisioned how my day is going to you know, I uh, look like and how, you know, that attributes to my core and my vision. So I always try to look inside and within before I engage with the rest of the world. Speaking of books, I mean, I've also read the, the 5am club and I'm, I'm, I would say I aspire to be, I mean, I'm up at five o'clock every morning. I haven't quite nailed the, the meditation side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard work to find time to be quiet when you're an ambitious, busy person. Um, yeah. And I think 
is obviously the balance um, that that everybody is looking for. Um, yeah. In in terms of of are you a book reader? Yes, I'm a book reader. Um, I try. I try to to read. You know, as much as I can. I haven't been doing that well, you know, uh, but growing up, I used to read a lot of books. But of lately with the business, I haven't really found my, my rhythm, you know, and my balance. But I do read a lot of books, yes. So what, what is keeping you curious right now? I mean, you, you're at a really exciting time. Um, mm. And there's obviously things happening in, in many different directions. But what is keeping you curious and driving you forward? I'm currently reading a book, uh, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Uh, they call it the Bible. Um, yeah. And I think that has kept me thinking a lot of lately as to how do I, you know, build a value chain that is sustainable, you know, uh, and that keeps on creating impact, you know. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't just want to be good, you know, I want to be great. And how do I get to to being great you know, and, and, and remaining great at all times. So um, I think, like I said, you know, I'm looking into my core and saying, how do I make sure that God forbid, you know, um, if, if one day I'm not here anymore and my business is here, the people that will be running it, they will be running it as authentically as possible as I would have, you know, um, that's very, very important for me. So that we create an impact at all times. Like I said earlier on, I always try to be of service because of service produces excellence, you know. Um, we're living in a world that is very socially current and people are so um, consumed by what's happening socially that they forget of saving and of building village chains that are inclusive and of service to the community. So I want to be known for a business that has saved the community directly and indirectly, you know, um, in our trade at all times so that uh, God forbid that if we do close down in six years, seven years, I want people to remember us for what we've done in that period, not how we were great or how fascinating and exciting we were, but the impact that we've created in our tenor. You know, so that keeps me going and keeps me thinking as to how do I become the best? Like during COVID-19 through the crisis, I've been thinking about how do I re-innovate my business? You know, how do I come up with different innovations and different solutions to sustain and to remain relevant, you know, in the new normal? Uh, there's a saying that says crisis breeds innovation. So I'm constantly yeah. thinking about how do I become better and innovate and, 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 and provide a better customer experience and deliver on my brand promise. What have been the what have been some of the positive results that you found from from this pandemic? Uh, you know, is in saying that I mean I'm a firm believer, a firm believer of the same of the same thing. Yeah, uh, for me, I think because I was scaling so fast in terms of my brick and mortar and my headquarter expansion, that I sort of not really neglected my e-commerce, but it was running, but I was not putting enough effort and you know, enough reinvestment in e-commerce so that it can scale the same way as my brick and mortar stores. So mm -hmm. when the president announced lockdown and obviously everything was shut down, we were closed for about six months, uh, for, for about six weeks, our stores. Our stores were closed for about six weeks. So the only thing that I had to do uh, and to sell was my e-commerce. So I had to stop a bit and then look into, you know, the, the full end-to-end -end functions of and the benefits of having a strong and robust and well, you know, put together e-commerce, you know, and efficiently, you know, a service in your clients. So I, I had to stop a bit and 
think about what are the best ways to integrate my e-commerce or my online store with my brick and mortar store and how do i really optimize you know my online experience with my clients and so forth right and then also to really look back into you know uh, who are we as a business you know our purpose you know uh, what really determines us you know um we often say that we are a business that is uh, people before profit you know so we had to come up with different you know uh, brand pillars as to who we are that really speaks to you know the core of our business you know uh, and many other things so there was a really lot of um yes we've lost revenue but we really i think found our niche and found our core as as a business you know during uh, COVID-19. Yeah, look, Theo, I've got to say it's, um, it's not hard to understand and identify your mission and purpose very quickly. Um, and I think you are both good and great um, in terms of what you. you plan. No, I, I really, you inspire and I, I hit, we, we, we have conferences that talk about creating a local supply chain, empowering locally, um, and how important that is for our own economy. So I really commend you, and I want to say thank you on behalf of a lot of people for starting um, to actually not just talk the talk, but really walk the walk and, and show us how that it can be done, and it can be done well. So um, I just if anybody wants to get hold of you, Theo, how can they, how can they get in touch with you? I'm sure people are inspired by your story, or, or maybe future partnerships might come up. How could they get hold of you? Um, so I'm I'm available on uh, on on Instagram, Theo uh, uh, underscore Baloi. Also on LinkedIn, Theo uh, Baloi. And I think you know um, also on email as well. You know Theo dot Baloi dot Theo dot at Theo dot um, and I think that's the most convenient way I know to, to reach out to me. But um, yeah, I'm available on all socials basically. And yeah, they can reach out to me via email as well. Theo, I really look forward to seeing what's coming up next. I know you are young, full of energy, uh, very trendy, educated. Uh, are you married yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just one, one lucky lady. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you seem to have it all, um, but no, and, and I know you've worked hard for it, but it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Um, and I know we are looking at doing some more work with you on, on helping others scale their business. So we'll get into the nitty gritty of that in the coming future. And thank you for your time. And I'm wishing you all the best for the rest of 2020. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you again for uh, the invite. Really, really means a lot to me. Yeah, anytime. Cool, man. Thank you. Just...